If you have a Bible with you, I will tell you out, out at, the, uh, at the outset here that there's a lot of text today because, because the Ten Commandments, think of them something like a headwaters of the Old Testament, right? Like you find streams and inlets and everything throughout the rest of the scriptures. And so we're going to be uh, flipping around a lot. If you don't feel like flipping, we will have the text on the screen. But um, we are uh, continuing our series in Exodus. We've been in Exodus a minute. We're going to be here another. We're about halfway through. And uh, we are going uh, command by commandment through the Ten Commandments, which um, might be a little confusing um, because you may have had an understanding that like the Ten Commandments uh, are like ten things that you have to do to audition for eternal life. And that's not what the Ten Commandments are. um, And that's not what the Bible says they are. Likewise, they are not 10 things that you can do to up your brownie points with God, like you're building credit or something like that and going to cash it in one day. No, that's not what it is. What the Ten Commandments are is God's answer to the question, what does it mean to live a life of love? Okay. Paul tells us the heart of the entire law of God is love. And so really that's how we're looking at the Ten Commandments is how, how are we supposed to walk in love? What are the specifics there? So let's um, pray before we begin. God, I pray that as we come to your word right now, even if there are some things that are difficult to hear, that by the means of grace of your word, you would do in us with your word what you want to do, that you would make us more like Jesus through this time. Amen. Um, So I was born in the uh, mid-70s, which means I was coming of age kind of in the uh, mid-90s. And those of you who didn't missed out, Uh, because we had better stuff. Uh, Our music was way better. We had Nirvana. What do you have? You know what I mean? Um, but our TV especially, like there was weird, cool TV shows. Uh, my, my favorite being The State. It was on MTV when there used to be worthwhile things on MTV. Anybody into The State? Yes, Mark. Mark and I share, share all tastes in common. We like all the... Anybody else remember The State? If you saw some of the people who were on The State, like they're everywhere now. They, it's kind of like a Saturday Night Live for Gen X. Um, and, uh, and one of my favorite recurring characters on the state was a, was a character named Doug. And I brought a picture of Doug so you can see. There's Doug. Now, Doug had a problem with authority, if you couldn't tell. He was a slacker, and you didn't understand him. And especially, like, they, they gave him a dad. That's, like, the most permissive, least authoritative dad possible, and he really struggles to rebel against his dad. That's kind of the whole gist of it, like... Doug comes out, you know, and, or his dad comes out and he's like, Doug, I found these in your room. What are these? He's like, those are my cigarettes, dad. What, are you going to send me to live with grandma now? He's like, no, I was going to ask you to bum one, actually. He's like, oh, so you think by trying to be cool and bumming a cigarette that everything's copacetic between you and me, but it's not. Because your dad, no Doug. And then Doug had a catchphrase. He would, he would always have his cronies with him. And he would say, you don't understand. I'm Doug, and I'm out of here. That was his catchphrase. All 90s comedic characters had catchphrases. See, you're missing out. 
But Doug, I mean, the people in the state got why this was funny. It's because we're all a little Doug, aren't we? We have a very Doug culture where we kind of think that we know best and that authority and that those older than us don't get it like we do. It's interesting because this, this mentality that wisdom is found among the young, it, the West, modern day West is unique in world, in like the history of the planet and on the planet right now. We're the first to think that wisdom is found among the young. Think of, there's like a lot of movies with the plot line. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Young person rejects the wisdom of their elders and saves the day. Turns out they were right all along. Now, I like these movies. Like Moana, that's the plot line. Footloose, that's the plot line. How to Train Your Dragon, Mulan. You can tell I have kids. These are the movies I see, right? But again and again and again, wisdom is found not among the experience, not among the elders, not among uh, those who came before but among the young. It's very Doug. You don't understand, right? We are so twisted and extreme on this that we've kind of normalized the rejection of parents. Like I've heard interviews with child psychologists saying, oh, well, this, this period where, where, you know, you reject everything your parents are about and kind of go your own way. That's a normal process of development. I'm like, no, it's not. We are, the, we are unique in human history. Try that in 13th century Mongolia, right? You turn 14, you're like, Genghis, you can, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, try that right now in a lot of places. It's not going to fly, is it? No. The, the result of this, this jugging of our culture, this sort of thinking that we know best, I know best, the young get it. You know, like Mark Zuckerberg, young people are just smarter, is we miss out on wisdom. We miss out on experience. Do you realize we don't have a real plan for bringing people from childhood to adulthood. And some of you guys are like, oh, that's what I missed out on. No one had a plan to help me grow up. I kind of had to figure it out on my own, right? You know, I'm not sure how we would do if we were to try and give a definition of what is an adult. What constitutes maturity? Like if we just did like man and woman on the street kind of thing, how do you think that would go in our, in like out here in Denver? Define adult, right? I'm not sure I'd do that well. Would you? We're lacking. We're lacking the, the, the wisdom of how to grow up and how to help other people grow up. And, and this is like, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, this is me. I am Doug. I am Gen X. We, we refined this. Millennials are welcome. Right? We really got the game tight. <laughs> it makes me think I know better. I don't need input. I especially don't need to listen to people who came before me. You know why? Because I'm young and innovative and I was. Not anymore. <laughs> At a certain point I thought I was. 
And some of you guys are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, like the young people do get it and the older people don't. Let me ask you something. Think of yourself 15 years ago if you're old enough to do so. You 15 years ago. Is that person wiser than you right now? What do you think? Do you, do you right now need to listen to your 15 years ago self? If you're old enough, go 15 years before that. It, more still, right? Like the younger you are, the more foolish you are, you realize. Do you think that 15 years from right now, you're going to look at the current iteration of yourself and say, well, I had it all together then. I need to listen to that person. Do you see where that leads? We're all fools <laughs> to our future selves, aren't we? It's almost like we really, really need people who went before us to guide us so that we're not so foolish. Well, and that's also God's vision of human life. When we look at the fifth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, 12, says this, says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The way that God drew it up, the way this is supposed to work. And listen, I'm going to say something that you're going to have a lot of but whatabouts. And we're going to go into it. But we're supposed to honor our father and mother because parents are a grace from God. Instead of dugging it, God's vision is that parents especially, and we're going to define that, are meant to be a grace that helps us grow and guides us, especially we're going to see in those who disciple us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 through 21. You're actually going to look at this chapter more in community groups tonight because this is a super key chapter. I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. It says, In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The way God built human society, the way, the way he, he wants human society to function is to, is to pass the faith down, to pass wisdom down from one generation to the next. There's only one reason we still have the Bible and the gospel. It's because previous generations did this. It has been passed down since the time of Abraham. And the main vehicle of this, not the only, but the main vehicle of this is meant to be parents to children. Okay, and it may like you're like, well, in what way are parents like a grace from God? Well, in a lot of ways, parents are functioning as like, I don't want to say under gods. I'm looking for a better word right now. Give me one. Like sergeants to God or something like that. Just think about this. What does God do? He's creator, right? God made you. Well, he used your parents for that. At least your biological parents. Uh, are your parents, um, like, who's your provider? God's your provider, but he does so through people who raise you, right? And protector. God's your protector. Who's the primary person who's tasked with that while you're growing up? It, it, it's your parents. See, parents are supposed to be God's grace to us. And not only that, 
We see here in Deuteronomy 6 that, that, that there's a, there's, it's meant to, discipleship is meant to be built in to parenting. And when we look at the scriptures, it's not just your biological parents that we are to consider parents, but anyone who has a hand in raising us and discipling us, okay? It's much more a communal thing. And let's get to a couple of but what abouts. All right. First off, no parent is perfect. Never been a perfect parent. Right. And some parents rate lower on that scale than others. Very few parents are a zero on that. Right. Like we did gain some benefits, some protection, some uh, um, some discipleship from our parents, even if they weren't Christians. Now, some parents completely bail on parenting, right? And that is, it doesn't negate the honor your father and mother thing, right? When you have a very abnormal situation like that, in the same way that someone may, may commit to a marriage and then be completely unfaithful to it, right? There, there's still the adultery commandment because there's a, there's a vision of what it's supposed to be, okay? And, and we'll go into that more. But just at the outset, I know that when we say parents, some of you guys have very positive associations when I say that. You're like, yay, mom and dad. For some of you, that's painful. And you have a complicated relationship with your parents now or... They did a lot of damage to you growing up, right? So I'm aware of all of those things. Um, so the way that we're going to be going through this commandment is like, like all of them, we're thinking about it like a dartboard, which is an analogy developed by my friend and mentor, Bill Connors. Give him credit for that. We'll get the dartboard here. All right. There's breaking the commandment, there's keeping the commandment, and there's fulfilling the commandment in love, which we will never do. Only Jesus has done that, okay? But that doesn't mean you aim for the wall. Making sense? Okay. Um, and so what does it mean to break the fifth commandment, keep it, and fulfill it? All right? So the, uh, the fifth commandment is phrased in, in the positive as opposed to the do not murder or do not commit adultery one, right? Like do not commit adultery tells you that's, that's breaking. Just because you don't commit adultery doesn't mean that you're, like, being a great spouse, <laughs> fulfilling it in love. Making sense? And so we're, we're, we're working the other way. Um, to break the fifth commandment is to dishonor your mother and father or those who raise and disciple you. Exodus 21.15 says this. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Uh, now, this is not talking about, like, you know, my kids, especially my girls, seemed to have a talent when they were little when I would pick them up and they would, they would kind of kick their legs as I picked them up and they'd get me. You know what I mean? Between them. <laughs> and it's not like, oh, oh, sorry, honey. Exodus 2115, you got to go now. It's not what this is saying. This is, talking about, this is talking about an adult, someone who's accountable, uh, doing the incredibly outrageous, disrespectful thing of raising their hand and striking their mother or father, okay? If you still think that's a harsh punishment, it's a bit of a Rorschach test. It just shows you, like in most cultures throughout human history, they'd be like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, you would 
course, that's a capital crime. We're like, oh, that's harsh. Says more about us and our values, doesn't it? Um, So another way to dishonor, to break the fifth commandment, is to reject uh, guidance, to reject guidance uh, from those who raise us and disciple us. Romans 1, 29 through 30, the apostle Paul is, is listing out, kind of like painting this very gloomy picture of humanity, and here's what he says. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents as the final whammo. And we're like, wait a second. One of those things is not like the other. Again, it's a Rorschach test. We're like, to us, that looks weird, (laughs) right? That doesn't belong with the other things. But once again, that that shows you the level of our cultural conditioning, that we so little value honoring parents and and those who disciple us, right? And so to to reject someone's guidance out of hand, it's not saying that you let someone else think for you and you, you, you do everything they tell you to do, even if it's wicked. It is saying that to reject, like to, to hold the counsel of parents or those who disciple you in little regard is a breach of the fifth commandment, okay? And, and another way of dishonoring, uh, of breaking the fifth commandment is to abandon parents in need. Um, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees in Mark chapter seven, uh, verses nine through 11. And um, he's not giving a teaching on the fifth commandment per se, but here's what he says. He said to them, you Pharisees, have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Those are two texts we just looked at. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban that is given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother. Now, none of us knows what that means. What's korban? All right, so the Pharisees came up with a way where it was, it was, it was you know, like if, you, if your parents are no longer working age, it was customary to provide for them in their needs so they don't, like, starve in the outdoors. And the Pharisees came up with a way of devoting money that they would have devoted, given to their parents to support them, to give it to the temple, almost like a tax shelter, you, you, you stow it in the temple, it's given to God, and then you go back and get it later after your parents are gone, right? And so Jesus is saying that to abandon parents when they're in need um, is to breach the fifth commandment. So that's, that's the wall, right? To, to show hatred or, or blatant disrespect, to reject the guidance out of hand, and, or to abandon parents uh, is to break the fifth commandment, to show dishonor. Um, you know, it's funny how commonplace this is. <laughs> one of the, one of the, uh, I, 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 I wasn't great. I'll tell you that right now in terms of respecting my parents. Didn't do a great job. I, Doug is me. But I had one friend who, he, he came from a very wealthy family, right? And we'd be at his house. I've never heard anybody talk to their parents like this. I think we all have this friend. We'd be playing video games. You're like, Mom, I'm hungry. Give me a hot pocket. 
Like, just like that. I'm not exaggerating. Just shout, Mom, hot pocket! Right now! I'm hungry! Bring one for my friend, too! And some taquitos! Right? It was like, he'd be like, Mom, I need the car! He's like, Ryan, Ryan, I wanted to go get my hair done. You can't get your hair done. Go to the swap meet! I need your car! Gosh! You have to ask nicely. Quiet! Give me $20! <laughs> It's a cultural thing, because when I was at, like, my Filipino or Iranian friends' houses, that's not happening. <laughs> you never heard that. But it's a, it's a cultural thing where we're like, oh, yeah, that's not all that shocking. You've all known someone like that, right? Most of us? Am I, is, this, is this a really weird experience? No, we've all seen this, right? Uh, I mean, it's considered semi-normal, not super shocking, and if that happened in the ancient world, they'd be like, uh, man, we'll take care of this for you. We're just gonna... <laughs> but the, the reason that we are to avoid the wall, to avoid dishonoring our parents, is because parents are God's grace to us. So for us, if you are currently a kid, it means how you speak to your parents, how you treat your parents, Right? Listening to their counsel doesn't mean you let them think for you, but weighing their words. If you are an adult, this still applies. Your parents are always your parents. Right? So I need to watch it. When my parents start talking politics, that I don't do, start doing the Gen X eye roll. You know, but instead treat them with respect. Here's another thing. If you're currently a parent and your kids are watching you interact with your parents, would you be happy if your kids treat you in the future the way you currently treat your parents? For some of you guys, the answer is yes. You do a good job of this. For others, not so much. <laughs> right? And there's a, I'm guilty of this. I'm Doug. I need to repent of when I hit the wall. Because parents, even imperfect parents, are a grace from God. And you may be saying, well, my parents didn't disciple me. Yeah, my, my parents weren't Christians at all. Um, and so you may say, but my parents even misdiscipled me. I was taught, like, incorrect things out of the Bible. I was taught you've got to be perfect for God to love you, and that sort of thing. Lies. Right? Do I, if I kind of depart from my parents' teaching that's unbiblical, am I dishonoring them? And the, and the answer is, of course not. Parents are only authorized, just like leaders in the church are only authorized to teach what is in God's word. And if they fail to do so, yeah, you can respectfully disagree. And there's another question because we're talking about, you know, being there for our parents uh, in, in need. Is do I need to let an abusive parent, like a dangerously abusive parent, live with me, especially uh, if I have a child, right, and they were abusive to me as a child. Is it dishonoring uh, in that situation to, to put up a boundary? Let me ask you a question. If, if your parent were an alcoholic, is it honoring to them to get them a drink? No, right? Because you'd be perpetuating a self-destructive cycle. In the same way, if you have a parent that is abusive and them living with you, 
would put them in position to continue abusing somebody that is not honoring to them. And also, if you have a child, you're a parent too, and you're, you're, you're tasked with being their protector. It's an abnormal situation. It's not the way God wants it to be. Um, but, but that is the reality of a fallen world. For some of us, there needs to be some reconciliation and forgiveness too. Right? Like parents have hurt you. Like we're all going to hurt our kids, <laughs> those of us who are parents. And so like a living out of the gospel uh, means there being a, a, a repentance and forgiveness going on. And so that's missing uh, the board. What does it mean to be on the board? Well, it's to not do those things. It's to show respect. I didn't say feel respectful. I said show respect. Okay? It's to behave with respect, to listen with respect, and to care in need. Okay? That's, not, that's just the opposite of, of, of breaking, right? I remember um, going to Alabama when I was doing some support raising, and I'm from New York, so I'm all thumbs in Alabama, guys. Um, and so I sat down with a friend who's from there, and I said, hey, what do I need to know about Al- Alabama? 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 I'm getting further away. <laughs> Is anybody from Alabama? I don't want to like say your state, whatever you call the Robin. That's easy. Anyway, that's going nowhere. I said, <laughs> I said, what do I need to know so that I don't like, you know, step in a bear trap? Quite literally, you could step in a bear trap in Alabama. Um, he said, well, look, if you're sitting down with someone who's older than you, you agree with them. I said, what? It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if they start talking about how bad Abraham Lincoln was or whatever. You're just supposed to agree with somebody older than you. I was like, oh, I've never heard of that. Like, I'm from New York. Disagreement is our Olympic sport. Like, that's, that's what we do. Um, and, of course, that's a little overdone, right? Is it, is it necessary to show respect that you agree? No, but there is at least an idea of, like, hey, it's, you relate Differently, you show respect to someone who's older than you, right? That is that is showing respect. You may not feel like it <laughs> when it comes to your parents, when it comes to people who are discipling you, um, and also they may not have earned it. You're like, well, they if they earn my respect, I'll show respect. That's not how it works. We're not doing it necessarily just for them, but out of obedience to God, because this is this is the way God is showing us to walk in love. That is kind of the beginning of obedience to God. It's like, hey, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Not because they're good, but because God's been good to me. So what's the bullseye here? Okay, this is going to sound so wrong, but I'm going to back it up, okay? Just don't freak out. Some of you guys look like you're going to. The bullseye. It's going to sound wrong. It's to treat parents like you treat God. Hang on. (laughs) Slow your roll. Cool your jets. Treat parents like you treat God. Yes, that's what I said. I'm kidding around at this point. But seriously, that that is what it means to hit the bullseye. This word for honor your father and your mother. The, the word there in Hebrew is kabod, okay? The sense of it is to treat something as weighty, 
right? To, to like their words are weighty, or they don't treat someone lightly. Get that, right? Kabod. This word kabod appears hundreds of times in the Old Testament. There's one instance where it refers to the king of Israel, right? Kabod, the king of Israel, honor the king of Israel. That's still a pretty high bar. Every other use is kabod God. It's to honor, to glorify God. There's one exception besides the king of Israel, and it's right here in the fifth commandment. What does it mean for us to honor parents? What does the bullseye look like? Well, it's to receive their teaching and guidance, first of all. The, the Proverbs, I'm a big fan of the Proverbs. The Proverbs is part of uh, what's called wisdom literature. And wisdom literature in the Old Testament is really meditations on the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament law. This, I, I picked this at random. There's hundreds of these in the Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 1 through 2. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Okay, and so again and again, you see that my son address. Daughters are included, by the way. But it's the, 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 the way of wisdom is that you're teachable, that you're receptive to those who are teaching you and raising you. Okay? Interestingly, this isn't always a parent-child relationship. A rabbi would call their disciple or the one learning from them son right, as well because that, that relationship is just assumed throughout the entire Bible is that parents disciple and those who are discipling us are parents in the faith. Making sense? The, the text that, that we read earlier from Ephesians, I wonder if you noticed how, how much it sounded like parenting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, let, let's read it again. Not together, but I'm just going to read it to you. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers... Right, that is the officers in a church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain what to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together, so on and so forth, right? But do you hear that language about coming to maturity? How is it done? Discipleship, right? And so the leaders in the church and the church itself is to have a maturing effect on the people in it, much in the same way that God's design for human life is that parents would disciple their children. So it's to, to treat parents like you treat God, to honor them. It's to receive teaching and guidance, to be teachable, to not be a know-it-all, to listen. doesn't mean you agree automatically, but it does mean that you're teachable. It does mean that you hear them. You don't reject it out of hand. Okay? And also to show reverence. Leviticus 19.32 says this, You shall stand up for the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Isn't that interesting how the fear of God is paired right there with respect for those older than you? 
it, this sounds odd to us because we are very much a youth worshiping culture, right? But part of tree, uh, part of honoring parents is showing reverence for those who are older than us, to be those who are not dug, but those who show respect. I fail at this. I fail at this a lot. I was in a uh, sort of a theological discussion with a older family member. And I'm far more trained. And this person was expressing a point of view with which I disagreed. And so instead of Instead of saying, what can I get from this? What can I learn from them? I proceeded to dismantle it, right? Kind of harshly. And I had to go back and apologize. Because I said, I, one, yeah, it's unfair. They don't have the same training that I do. So it's not like, you know what I mean? But also, I, I, was, I was showing disrespect. I wasn't showing respect at all. Parents are a grace from God. This, this applies to our physical parents. And, and, and I, again, some of you guys have such painful pasts with your parents. Right? And it's not the way it's supposed to be. What you experience is not what God designed. And it's not what God calls us to. For most of us, our parents are somewhere in the middle of very good and very bad, right? And look at the benefit that you got. We need to honor them for that. And this also applies to spiritual parents. Paul tells us that you have many fathers in the faith. And, and that this, this being receptive to the guidance of your parents, even if they're imperfect, and also being receptive to those who are discipling you in the church, um, even though we're imperfect too, like this is part of keeping and fulfilling the fifth commandment. Some of you guys want so badly for there to be someone older than you, more mature than you, that does speak into your life. You know, like maybe your relationship with your parents is, is really troubled. And lacking, or, or your parents completely abdicated responsibility in raising and discipling you. And you're like, gosh, I wish I had a parent. I feel all alone. I feel like I don't have someone to speak into my life and guide me. I feel like I don't have someone I can go to. Well, I'm about to toot the grace and peace horn really hard. We have great leaders here. Like our, our governors, right, our, our, our elders and our deacons, they were not elected on the basis of, their, of how like, impressive they are when they talk theology. It's not what we were looking for. Instead, it's maturity. And it's a pastoral heart. Same with our community group leaders. If you are sitting there saying, man, I really need someone like that in my life. I feel like I don't have someone who speaks in. Like... We're, this is going to sound a little wrong, but it's right. This church is here to provide a parental guidance in the faith for us. right? Not, not just to teach us things, not just to teach us information, but to be there for us and really care for you. 
if that's something that you guys, that you're like, yeah, I want that, and I don't have it. I, like, I don't know, we, we need to put it on the website or something of like how to reach out to one of our deacons, one of our elders, to myself, to your community group leader. Right? This is important, and that's a little bit of an aside. Parents are a grace from God. So we need to stay off the wall, stay away from dishonoring. We need to show respect as a beginning of walking in faithfulness. And, and the, the bullseye is to treat our parents not the same as God, obviously. We don't sing praise songs to our parents. Although if my kids did that, that'd be kind of cool. Father, we have written praise songs about you. <laughs> okay. But parents are a grace from God. We need to honor them. If I had to pick uh, top five grizzled tough guys from the ancient world, right in my top five would be a guy named Coriolanus. He was an ancient Roman before Rome was an empire. It was just a city-state and just liked to fight with other city-states. And Coriolanus, he was, uh, he was, he was one of the baddest of the bad. It, it was said that Coriolanus, when he was in battle, uh, was so ferocious-looking that people didn't want to line up opposite him. He was like the Ray Lewis in, of ancient Rome. Right? Just intimidating. His shout was so like, it was, was so terrifying that sometimes when he, he and his little group of guys would charge and shout, people would just break and run. That actually happened one time where they ran all the way back to their city and were so scared, they didn't close the gates of their city and Coriolanus just ran right inside their city and said, I have conquered your city. And they, they surrendered to him. <laughs> That's how tough this dude was. Toughest of the tough. And so when you're that tough, the Romans will give you the top job of consul. And he got the top job for a year. And while he was there, he did some really bad things to people. So he ended up getting exiled. Okay? And he was like furious that he got exiled. And so he went to one of their opposing cities and he said, hey, you guys hate Rome, right? And they're like, yes. He's like, you want to get back at Rome? They're like, yes. He's like, give me your army. Let's go take on Rome. And so they started smashing Roman armies. He won like five straight battles, just destroying, destroyed the entire Roman military so that there was nothing between him and the city of Rome. And he camped five miles outside of Rome. He was going to sack the city the next day, kill everybody, get his revenge. He's sitting in his tent, and the city of Rome is like panicking. And so they send a delegation of all the most august figures in Rome. Right? So these, these guys, the senators, come in and all of their finery, and we're told Coriolanus was up in a, like a high seat, so that he would be kind of looking down on people. And these, these guys come in, and they're, they're bowing and scraping. They're like, please, Coriolanus, we'll... We'll, uh, we'll do anything. We'll give you back your citizenship. We'll, we'll make you consul again. Anything, money, whatever you want. And he says, too little, too late. And he sends them away. So then they send, this is doing this right here. Check, check. All right, that's better. So they then send all the priests, right? And say, well, he doesn't respect the leaders. Maybe he'll respect the representatives of the gods. And so the priests come in, all their glittering finery, right? And they say, you know, honor the gods. Don't, don't come and destroy all the temples of the gods. Think of, think of what that will mean. Have some respect. And, and he literally said, why don't you guys go back and pick out your coffins? 
Right? That's gangster. That's Coriolanus for you. Sends them away. The, then one more delegation comes in. And it was surprising because they, there was nothing glittering. They were in plain robes. They were all women. Which is unusual. And he's kind of puzzling from his high chair. And then he sees among them step forward his mother. And we're told Coriolanus like couldn't take his eyes off of her. Because him being exiled, she had no, no one to care for her. So she was in rags. And she says to him, Coriolanus, if you're going to sack Rome tomorrow, you will do so over my corpse. She literally said to him, you're going to attack Rome over my dead body. <laughs> literally what she said. Hey, Coriolanus, toughest of the tough, most ruthless dude around, just stares at her for several minutes. Then he rises up out of his high chair and he stands before her and he gets on the ground and he bows at her feet and says, you alone have conquered me. He had such respect for his mother, right? We are to honor our parents as a grace from God. Please pray with me.